Well, this morning I want to say Happy St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> this is one of the very few Saints Days that's still celebrated by our culture at large, but I have to admit I suspect it's only celebrated by so many people because somehow through time it came to be associated with drinking. Now, how that kind of thing happens, I really don't know. It's kind of like how the celebration of Jesus defeating death with his resurrection came to be a celebration in our culture of a day a rabbit delivers chicken eggs. How did that happen? Like, head scratcher, right? But today, since today is St. Patrick's Day, I actually looked into his life story, and I have to say, I think Patrick has a story worth celebrating. Uh, His life is actually quite a good example of how our being transformed by Jesus transforms the world through us. St. Patrick's story echoes what Jesus is showing us and is teaching us in our story of being transformed today. So with that little teaser, I'm going to put Patrick's story on hold for a while. We'll come back to him later and take a look first at what Jesus is doing. So in our scripture today, Jesus has been teaching a crowd of 5,000 people all day. And his disciples look out at the crowd and they see a problem. They see lots of people who are hungry, who are far away from anywhere, who all need something to eat. And since the disciples see the need but they don't see a solution, they go to Jesus and they propose that Jesus lets them send everybody away so they can all go out and find some kind of food for themselves. But instead, Jesus tells his disciples, nope, you give them something to eat. And they immediately panic. (laughs) And maybe I'm reading something of my own reaction into this text. But in verse 37, when to their suggestion, he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages, exclamation point. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? The tone that I hear in those words is panic. Because did they even have that much money? We know from scripture that there were some benefactors who helped supply Jesus and the disciples with things that they needed, but I'm guessing not to the tune of half a year's wages. And I wonder if the disciples were wondering, would they make it even if they liquidated everything? What are you asking me, Jesus? And if it's what I think you're asking, it can't be done. Please don't ask it of me. I can't deliver it for you. Equals panic. Have you ever felt like that? That someone asks something of you that you feel or you know is too much for you. Too much for you to handle more than you're capable of pulling off. And it's clear when Jesus tells them to provide, their focus immediately goes to what they don't have. We don't have the money for that. We don't have enough. But Jesus often teaches by asking questions. Did you notice that? And in this crucial moment... Jesus asks his disciples a question. In the face of everything that they're freaking out about, about what they don't have, Jesus asks them very simply, what do you have? In Mark 6, 38, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And I think there's a little bit of relief in their answer here because the question, how many loaves do you have, they can answer that one. There's something they can actually bring to Jesus. And once they do, Jesus tells them to go out and have people sit down in groups of 50 and 100, and then Jesus himself blesses the loaves and blesses the fish and breaks them and gives them back to the disciples to give out to the people. So in doing the math, five loaves, 12 disciples, means each disciple would have gotten half a loaf of bread 
or less. 5,000 people means each disciple would have fed at least 416 people with their half loaf of bread. Now, can you imagine being the distribution point for this miracle? Tearing pieces off that half loaf of bread that never gets any smaller. Passing those pieces through the crowd until not only does everyone get enough to eat, but at the end of the day, the disciples who are on cleanup duty pick up 12 basketfuls full of ripped pieces of bread and fish. Now, I am 100% sure that was not the solution that any of the disciples thought of to that problem. Nobody could take credit for this. But it came out of what they had offered Jesus, but that they already had. So what do you think the disciples learned from that day? When Jesus calls you to do something, the first question to ask is not, what don't you have? But what do you have? Start with asking, what has the Lord already given you? And then secondly, bring what you have to Jesus. Because that's where you'll see his transforming power at work. Now, what if the disciples hadn't done that? What if instead, when Jesus gave them this mission, they said to themselves, Jesus told us to do it, now we have to figure out how to get it done. And they tried to do it without him. Well, they would have bankrupted the treasury and themselves, and then most likely still wouldn't have been able to find enough bread even to buy or a way to transport it back to these massive crowds. They probably would have failed miserably and then been bitter at Jesus for asking them to do something they couldn't do. Have you ever been there? I feel I can relate to that with my inborn cultural Minnesota passive-aggressive gene. (laughs) But... If they would have attempted to do this themselves, they would have missed the lesson entirely. Thankfully, Jesus didn't let them miss it. Because the lesson Jesus is teaching isn't that we're hopeless. It's that our hope is not supposed to be in us, but in him. The disciples, like us, just assume that if Jesus is asking them to do something, they've somehow got to accomplish it for him, not with him. And that's a habit Jesus is trying to break them of at this point. See, he was in this profound example teaching them in the face of the impossible not to get bogged down by the problem or panic by fixating on what you don't have. Instead, look at what you do and bring it to Jesus. Offer to him what you have and see what he will do through it, how he will invite you to be part of what he is doing with you. Don't try to do anything for Jesus that you're not doing with him, because there's no point to that. The with is the point. Whatever you do for Jesus that isn't with him is not going to go anywhere good. The with is the point, because that's where we see the bigger picture of God's love at work in that relationship with us. That's what truly nourishes us. And Jesus is gently coaxing them into this realization And notice, what they give to Jesus, he gives back to them to be used in a very specific way. And what was given in faith is now used to feed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. That teaches us when we offer Jesus what we have, he can do amazing things through it. And his solutions are often not the ones that we would come up with. And the Lord actually does this a lot through Scripture. 
In the biblical book of 2 Kings, there's a young woman who lost her husband, and a debt collector is coming to take away her two boys as slaves to help pay her late husband's debts. So she goes to Elisha, the prophet of God, and to tell him her situation. And Elisha immediately asks her a question, and I bet you can guess what it is. He asks, what do you have in your house? And her answer in 2 Kings 4 is, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. But the thing is, one small bottle of olive oil isn't actually nothing. And he tells her, go and ask all your friends and your neighbors and borrow as many empty jars as you find. Not just a few, as many as you can find. And then shut the door of your house and start pouring oil out of your bottle into those containers. And as soon as one is full, set it aside, take another one, keep on pouring. And so she does. And when she says to her son, give me another one, and he finally answers, there aren't any more, that's when the oil quit. Now, who would ever have imagined the solution to her debt problem would come in selling bottles of olive oil? It wasn't her solution. But what was offered in faith became, in God's provision, more than enough. Now, in neither one of these biblical situations did the people think that they had what they needed. In both of these situations, what became enough was only found by bringing the need to the Lord and then being willing to trust him with something that seemed, frankly, unbelievable. Trusting him to provide what he would provide in his own way through it. And to only God be the glory. Have you ever experienced provision like that? I have. (laughs) In this past year, I feel like Jesus has provided in ways that I never could have predicted or guessed here at Community of Grace. I've seen so many stories of his faithfulness through so many different people's lives poured out in ways that I never would have known. But through all the struggles, through all the ups and downs, what was most clear is that Jesus can be trusted to help us to find what we need. Not always what we want, but what we need. I mean, what if you were in that crowd of 5,000 and you didn't particularly like fish and bread? What if you were that woman in 2 Kings and the thought of getting people to buy your bottles of olive oil gave you the hives? (laughs) The Lord's provision sometimes calls us into participation in ways that are going to stretch us. And sometimes we have to look hard to see how that provision is unfolding and where he's leading us through it. But either way, What do you think was being transformed in those disciples as they watched their own hands rip off pieces of a loaf of bread that never got any smaller? What was transformed in that widow as she poured olive oil into jar after jar that never seemed to quit? What protective wall built around her heart, around faith, around hope, suddenly crumbled to let in wonder and joy instead? What are you facing today? What impossible thing has been wrecking your soul? What has been tearing you down? What's that thing that you know you can't tackle on your own? And then I invite you to take a look at your life. Don't look at what you don't have, but at what you do have. What has God already given you? And who you are, in your experiences, in your gifts, in your personality, in your passions, in your relationships around you. And then take those things and ask Jesus what he will do with them. 
Ask Jesus to transform your heart. Ask what he wants to do with you. What does he want to multiply in you and through you? Because as we're seeking a life, being transformed by Jesus, I think we'll find that our focus is one of the first things that needs to be transformed in us. Because if you're always focused on what you don't have, you're going to end up missing what Jesus wants to be doing right now with what you do. And it's not by pretending to be someone else that we find our purpose. It's only in us being who we are in cooperation with the living God at work in us that we see how his provision works through us. And that brings us back to the story of St. Patrick. You might know that Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland, but did you know he wasn't Irish? He was actually born in the part of England bordering on Scotland. And when Patrick was 16, pirates from Ireland raided his village and they burned down his house and they found him hiding in the bushes and they dragged him off on their ship to serve as a slave in Ireland. That's how Patrick was introduced to Ireland. And as a slave, he was actually put to work with the sheep. And it was out there alone with the sheep that Patrick started to realize how much he needed the Lord. And even though he had gone to church as a boy, now as a slave in a foreign land, Patrick really surrendered to Jesus for the first time. He had nothing to offer, nothing but his heart. But Jesus took it and started to work in it. And years later, after Patrick escaped and made his way home, he hadn't been home very long when he experienced a life-changing call from the Lord. While he was reading a letter called The Voice of the Irish, he had a vision of the people of Ireland pleading for him to come and tell them about the saving love of Jesus for them. Deeply moved, Patrick wrote, I could read no more. But much like a lot of Bible heroes and much like you and me, Patrick's first reaction to that overwhelming call was to immediately focus in on what he knew he didn't have. Because of his years of slavery, he'd missed out on much of the formal education he could have had. So it was hard for him to imagine going over to Ireland to launch that kind of mission work when he still felt like he had so much to learn himself. And for a long time, he let his shortcomings in education keep him from responding to that call. In fact, even the night before he was supposed to leave for Ireland, he was having second thoughts. Who am I to do this? How am I going to do this with the things I obviously lack? But Jesus doesn't ask us that question. Jesus' question is, what do you have? And will you bring it to me? And what Patrick had was one copy of the Latin Bible, a burning love for these former enemies, and a passion for them to know the joy and the peace he had come to know in Jesus. And you know what? It was all he needed. At about 30 years old, Patrick started his ministry to Ireland, and his preaching was powerful. He gathered crowds of people and eventually became one of the most fruitful missionaries of all time, planting 200 churches, resulting in the baptism of 100,000 people. That's St. Patrick, a kidnapped boy that God, through whom God opened the floodgates of his spirit to change a whole nation. I'm guessing you didn't know that part of the story. The disciples and the 5,000, the widow and her debt, St. Patrick and pagan Ireland, and now you and me and what we face today. You and I both know in some way or another as you face that impossible thing, we know that we are not enough. 
We are not enough to conquer that. But you know what? That's not important. Because that's only where the story starts. And the point is not you being enough. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. And the with is the point. So today, as you invite Jesus to do his transformational work in you, stop thinking about what you don't have. Because there's an awful lot of things you don't have. (laughs) And if that's what you're thinking about, you're going to be thinking a long time. And most likely, you end up doing nothing with a heart full of discouragement. But in Scripture, the Lord almost always delivers his solutions, our callings, his message by using the things he's already given us in ways we would never have thought to use them. And the whole point is that he is enough. He is more than enough. And when you give what you have to him, he will multiply the impact in a way that becomes more than enough through his grace. And when we know Jesus, that really shouldn't come as any surprise to us. Because the truth is, if our salvation came from what we brought to the table, we would all be sunk. We are only saved for life with Jesus forever because of what he brought to the table and his death and his resurrection for us. And we just give him our sin, our brokenness, our confession that we need him, and he's the one who brings the power and the righteousness and the forgiveness. It's only with him that we have life forgiveness and grace but when we bring our lives to him he invites us to live the adventure of that life with him now and forever starting from this moment on jesus today wants to transform your vision to see what he sees for the world multiplying his blessings through the gift that is you and today may you see that too we saw it last week how 500 people can work together to feed 108,000 people through packing meals through Feed My Starving Children. And we heard last week how one family, the Johnson family, through starting Mission of Hope in Haiti, could open the way for thousands of people a year to be impacted in Haiti. And now in the islands of Turks and Caicos and the Dominican Republic. And it all, too, started with hearing Jesus' question, what do you have and will you offer it to me? They offered hurting hearts and a desire to see the world changed. And Jesus showed how he would lead us to pour out his transformational love one life at a time. Because our being transformed by Jesus is what transforms the world through us. So what do you have? What has Jesus given you? And in each of these weeks, as we're talking about being transformed by Jesus, we're going to be sharing different stories from our own congregation's experiences. And today, the story we're sharing is the story of the Wallstrom family. And the Wallstroms are a family in our congregation with two kids with Batten's disease. And you can imagine life can be very challenging for them. And in the face of all the demands of daily life, which can be so overwhelming, they've seen answers to prayer often coming through people like you offering what might seem like something little, a meal, a visit, a smile. But Jesus has used these things to multiply blessing. So take a look at their story. We're going to call it, instead of swarming, we're going to call it community. (laughs) 
You know, like those fire ants that cluster together to survive high water. That's how Laura and Todd Wallstrom see the church working in their lives. I feel like we're drowning half the time until there are people that come in. 14-year-old Lydia and 11-year-old Drew have Batten disease, which has robbed them of their sight and more. The Wallstroms turned to our church family when caring for their needs became overwhelming. It's very hard to explain what it is we go through every day. It's been an amazing thing to see what happens when you say you need help. People respond. And I think it's a humbling thing and it's a grace-filled thing. The result has been transformative. It's given a different sense of belonging, I think, to the church. That sense of church being not just a Sunday uh, event and um, not just maybe even small group, but seeing that acted out. An active meal train allows the Wallstroms to experience more joy in their challenging days. Each lovingly provided meal is cause for celebration. <laughs> Where do you see Jesus in all of this? Every single person who shows up at my door or asks how I'm doing or asks how the kids are. Just to have people stop at the house and, and chat and say hi, it feels, it feels genuine and it, it just it feels like church. The Wallstroms say their gratitude for this community of grace is immeasurable. And if you'd like to help them on this journey, you can reach out through Meal Train or Facebook. So often it's the little things. Things that you already have that are offered to the Lord that he uses to make a huge difference in someone else's life. And if you'd like to lend your gifts to the multiplying of these particular efforts, Lydia and Drew have a Facebook group, the Superhero Team, if you'd like to join that. Or there's a meal train to sign up for meals and prayer. If you'd like more information about that, you can stop by the orange wall on your way out today. But as his people, Jesus is calling us to be part of the multiplying of his blessings in the world. And the truth is, impacting 5,000 or the 100,000 always starts with the one. One person looking at what you have and offering it to the Lord for what he will do in you and through you. So I'd like to invite you this week to spend some time in prayer asking Jesus what he wants to multiply in you and through you. And if you'd like to learn about different ways that you can use your gifts in serving here, uh, feel free to ask at the Orange Wall how you can get involved. We'd love to help you take a next step in living out that calling. Because the life Jesus invites us to live with him, he invites us to offer also to the world. What is he transforming in you to bless the world? Let's pray. Lord God, you are God of compassionate provision. But we confess we so often miss what you're up to in our lives because we're only looking at what we don't have. Instead of seeing how you want to be at work in us through what you've already given us. So, Lord, help us to bring to you what we have and show us how we can be agents of the multiplication of your blessings in this world through your power, your love, your grace at work in us through the little things and the big things. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.